Hey, what's up? It's Tyler. I am excited for you to hear from Dave Ali. He is the founder of Almond Surfboards. Uh, he sells his boards all over the world, started in 2006. It's a great story of somebody who really started to down that path of trying to figure out, is this something that I really want to do? Kind of started pulling on that thread to find out that, yeah, this is, I want to turn this into a business. And so Dave talks about that story and what that journey was like for him. So I'm excited he's here and excited for you to hear it. So let's dive in. Hey, what's up? I'm Tyler Lafferty, and welcome to the Be More Like You podcast. As a serial entrepreneur, educational advocate, and speaker to thousands of students, I want to help you answer that hard question we all face. What do I want to do with my life, and how do I get there? In this podcast, we'll talk to people who have the courage to align their unique skills and interests to an industry and profession that they love. We'll uncover tools, tips, and techniques they used along the way. My ultimate goal for you is to help you find more purpose, fulfillment, and happiness in work and life. I'm glad you're here. Let's jump in. Well, Dave, I am super grateful that you're here uh, on the Be More Like You podcast. Uh, it's fun to have you here and to catch up. And uh, I, I've always been... Um, I've always had a man crush on you. Can I say that? I've always had a man crush <laughs> yeah. on, on, on the work that you're doing, your approach to it, uh, the brand, which I want to talk about that you've created. Like you just have done it uh, so well. I mean, I'm actually, I'm representing today. Stop. Can you see that's it? I, I have that's my like almond. It. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's one awesome. of my newest purchases of the last I was couple say, that's months. That's a fairly new design. Well, I, I got some stuff a couple years ago when I saw you and I was like, I am in need. I, this, the blue hat, the blue with the patch on the front, I bought another one because it's like falling up. Like I've worn it so much. It's like this, I'm like, and I still wear it. It's like, I have the new one up on the, on the shelf. So yeah. when I can get to that and like when it's like a present that I get to open it at some point, like it's my favorite hat of all time and it's so good. And I, uh, uh, I love the shirts and um, the apparel, let alone the boards. I mean, that's what I want to get into. Like your, your stuff yeah. is a work of art. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. Thank you. So, um, I, I mean, really, I just want to, like, let's get into your story from kind of when you started. I mean, kind of the goal of this whole thing is to let people listen to people who have, like, kind of chased their dreams and, you know, endured the struggle. And what was it like along the way when you're trying to, like, figure this out and trying to get people to, you know, to, to recognize the importance of dreaming big and doing, you know, that, that, Hey, it's not easy, but you can do it and you can do some really cool stuff. Yep. And I think you're and a perfect product of that. I agree because I've <laughs> ridden the roller coaster, the high highs and the low lows. You know, I'm like, I'm in year 12, I think. Wow. So, uh, I've, I've experienced a wide range of emotions of the last dozen years. That's crazy. Okay. So, so like in the beginning, let's go back. Like, You've always been a surfer, right? So you, you've always been into surfing, and that's kind of uh, something you did as a child growing up? I would say it was like a fringe activity for me when I was younger. You know, like you grew up when I was really young. I liked animals, and then I liked basketball, and basketball kind of carried me through high school. And then when high school ended, it was kind of like, all right, what's – you know, where – I've always been in pretty – curious and kind of had like a insatiable appetite for just like whatever I'm into, I want to like absorb more. Yeah. Um, 
So when I graduated high school, my attention kind of shifted to surfing. And that is, that is a very formative season of life, right? Like I stayed here in my hometown. I went to Chapman University right up the road in Orange. And all my friends kind of scattered. So here I am like in the same town, going to all the same lunch spots, only my whole social network is like yeah. evaporated. Okay. So surfing kind of became a place where I could like redirect a lot of time and energy and enthusiasm while was there were there people in college who were surfing and you were like oh well I kind of dig that like I want to get I want to go along with as well or was it like totally over here and you kind of went into that community and and really got deeper into it uh kind of in a different way so two of my best friends that I played basketball with in high school we once you know whatever whatever winter sports ends in January we kind of decided like we were going to start surfing together awesome. in lieu of basketball ending. And so we kind of got this runway of doing it, the three of us. And then as the, you know, we go through spring, summer, they leave for school that fall. I was like, all right, I'm in. I've already kind of like formed <laughs> the habit. And so it was really those guys. And then by the time I got to college, I was kind of like looking to grab anyone who looked like they surfed and be like, you know, you're my people. Yeah. Right on. So, I mean, so you obviously there's an interest there. You're starting to do it. Uh, what were you at the time? Kind of what were you thinking like professionally? Like wh- when you went to college and you're trying to like, all right, I got to figure out, you know, I'm going to graduate with something. I got to figure out what I'm doing. Like, what were you thinking at that time? What was in your head? I kind of figured it would be like commercial real estate. That kind of seems to be what everyone's dad was into. But <laughs> sure. I, I would always be super curious about my friend's dad and parents. Like, I would be in the kitchen, like pestering their parents with questions. And my buddies are like at the door, like, Dave, let's go. Like, come on. And I'm like, okay, just what, you know, hold on. And I'm like, I just was like a sponge kind of. So I figured like, all right, I've seen, you know, so-and-so's dad and -and so-and-so's dad. Like, that's what they do. Like, yeah, that's probably where I'll end up. Something like that. And just going through college and having just a little more time and margin and really getting into the surf thing, I kind of started to picture, okay, if I were to, well, we can get into this, but I, I wanted to make a board. I'm jumping way ahead of myself now. I wanted to make a surfboard because my, my dad and I always kind of grew up doing projects together in the garage, like building stuff, making stuff, kicking ideas around. So we kind of got the idea of like, let's make a surfboard. So this is and, after you've been surfing with your buddies and like, hey, like, yeah, this is like this could be while cool. I'm in college. Okay. I'm like probably 19 at this point. Like this would be something really cool and memorable. And then let's put a lot of time and energy into it because it's probably the only one we'll ever build. <laughs> so let's make it count. Wow. And that was kind of the attitude I took was like, all right, we're going to do this one. Let's make it. Let's do it right. So we spent a year researching, planning, sourcing, figuring out how to do it. And we a bit literally spent a year on that first board from so, conception to actually surfing it. That's amazing. So talk about that. Even like the, that's kind of daunting to me, like to start, like that's a big project. Like, in like, okay, I'm going to make this thing. And, and, and we all look at a surfboard. We see how beautiful it is. And uh, to me, that would feel very daunting. So how did you even go about like that initial research and what that looked like? I mean, is that like all YouTube or what, like, what is it? Yeah, this is like pre-YouTube being a oh wow resource. Like okay. this is 2000, I want to say seven. So how are you um, figuring that out? 
2007, 2006. Anyway, um, the beauty of being 19 is you don't know what you don't know. And so I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. of course we can do it. Like we're, we're smart enough and capable enough and handy enough. Like I just kind of went into it, like really not knowing what I was getting into. But at that point it was like Googling funny, like forum articles. And there was like, there, there was like articles you could find on like surfboard building online and then I talked to like a girl I'd gone to high school with. Dad was a shaper, so I kind of like finagled an invitation over there so I could like pester him with questions. Oh, yeah. And then my grandparents, really good lifelong friends from Laguna, uh, Pete and Pumpkin Trestle, <laughs> were really good friends with Terry Martin, who was he passed several years ago, but he was one of the like most iconic shapers he shaped for hobie for decades he shaped under his own label um but they've always said like he's probably hand shaped more surfboards than anyone else in history like wow. they, it's hard to estimate but the number is like astronomical wow so pete Tressel was like hey i set us up a date to go visit terry martin so i got to like go down go to his shaping bay he's working on uh, a pair of balsa wood longboards, and I was. We can get into this. Like, my first board was balsa wood, which okay. I, is another part of me not knowing what I was getting myself into. <laughs> M- many, many multiples more difficult than it needed to be. But, oh wow! Um, the finished product is beautiful. So, anyways, so I go and spent the day with Terry, and just I didn't even really like ask him questions. I just kind of like went and listened, and he talked, and he worked, and he kind of like showed me some stuff, and he asked me some questions about what I was you know, hoping to do and trying to do, but I didn't even feel like pestering him or bothering him. It was just like, oh, this is Terry Martin. Like this is such a formative thing. And so I kind of held that experience really dearly, like that I had the opportunity to go do that and hear from him. And uh, I just, I, I wanted to do it and wanted to figure it out and wanted to take my time. Like it was one of those projects where when you're working on it, it's really easy to get hyper-focused start looking you like notice a flaw or you notice something that's like not quite right and it's like i always tell people who ask me for advice and starting to shape I'm like walk away just come back at it with fresh eyes oh wow just you have to be able to set it down walk away come back with fresh eyes and it changes your whole perspective otherwise you you kind of get like tunnel vision um but anyway yeah that was my that wow was like when i was 19 so i mean it sounded like you had this you recognized kind of who was in your network. You were talking about this interest and, in, you know, that, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have this passion project to make this thing. So you were kind of talking about it. You know, it wasn't just in the back of your brain. You were talking about it. And then it, that which allowed people to like, go, oh, actually, how about if we go and meet Terry Martin, like the value of like, you know, your, your, your friend's dad and then the connection to Terry, like, I mean, that's very right. formative right in itself is like, Hey, how do you work your network to get to Terry Martin? Right. No, absolutely. And it takes just asking, right? Like you, you never know who might say yes or who might make time for you. So, well, I, I always joke about it. Like, it's almost like a game. Like you have no idea 
who that like who can open the next door for you right like if you ask somebody yes. and then they introduce you to such and such and that is this huge thing that could be this gigantic catalyst to something you're passionate about your career like who knows like it's and if you kind of look at it that way with this like kind of excitement um you know, you're going to have some doors slammed in your face or whatever for sure. But like the chance of the, the gigantic opening could be amazing. Abs- absolutely. And that theme has played out so many different ways over the trajectory of my career and our business. And I, I think it can't be overstated how, you know, if Kevin Bacon's only six degrees of separation away, think of all the people who are <laughs> like one and two degrees of separation away. Like that. And if, if you're truly eager and truly pursuing something and sh- demonstrating that you're willing to put in the work, people will go the extra mile for you. If you're, if it comes, it's, if it seems like you're just kind of wishy-washy or talk, then no one's really going to like bend over backwards to uh, give you a leg up. Dude, that's a great point. Like I, I couldn't agree with that more. Right. And when you see like the passion in somebody and their excitement about something like, and you know that you could potentially foster that. And cause w- because of connections you have or your network, like there's something beautiful about like helping that person, like build, get that excitement even more and get them you know, stoked on something you're stoked about or yeah, I love that. Oh yeah. It's contagious. Yeah. That's cool. So Terry Martin, obviously not only the chance to meet him very knowledgeable, but like you said, very, I'm sure very inspirational, like, like just, okay. I want to keep doing this, uh, like on this board that with this, this project we're working on. So you said that took a year, like a full year, year, which is a lot of, a lot of patience as well. From like inception of like, we should do this to finish board was a year. So there was a lot of like, got to find the materials, got to compile the resources, got to decide what shape we're going to do and how to get from, you know, paper or your mind to transfer to a board, you know, all those like, first time hurdles where's that board is it really it's in your house yeah, yeah. that's so it's great so you you walk by it every day and yep. it's i got a little rack of boards in my office at home and that's one that i'll for sure hold on to do you ever surf it anymore no i surfed <laughs> it once <laughs> you really did you surfed it once and i it surfed was like, it once yeah it was like okay i learned how to make that i gotta make a better one or so yep, how do you exactly. go, how do you go from, okay, so I still want to know from like college, what were you studying in college at the time? Business marketing. Okay. So you knew on some level business marketing you were interested in, you're, you're going to put this to use somehow, but then on the, as well on the side, you start to make this first board from making this first board as this side project, fun thing with your dad, how, what was the next progressive steps or what kind of transpired in between before you said, Hey, maybe I could consider making this a business. It was a slow burn. I was actually kind of reluctant to turn it into a business because I felt like at that age and stage of life, the dudes who wanted to start a brand wanted to start the brand because they wanted to be the dude who started the brand. If that makes sense. You yeah. Know, it's like, uh, yeah. I just looked at all the guys who were like, all right guys, I got my new t-shirt company. Make sure to pick one up. And <laughs> sure. I, was like, I just, I, I wasn't in it for the like all eyes on me yeah. thing. I wanted to, if I was going to do something, I wanted it to have a place and have a purpose. Um, so I, I wouldn't let myself like dive into starting a brand immediately and like push product on all my friends. But I did have it in the back of my mind enough to where as I was sitting in class in college, I would 
run everything through the filter of like, okay, how would what I'm hearing or half hearing apply to my hypothetical surf brand? Interesting. Like what, and it, like, so it kind of contextualized some of the stuff I was learning in college. Okay. I don't remember any of what college entailed now. Right. Um, which is more to do, I think, with the continued self-education required to do, you know, college is an awesome jump off point. I'm glad I got to do it. Right. The continuing education that you have to con- put yourself through is probably infinitely more important, but we can get into that later. Yeah, uh, and we should, because I think that's incredibly yeah. <laughs> important for people to digest and recognize. Yeah, where were we going? Uh, sitting in college. Oh, so, yeah. What's next? Like, what were you thinking, and what did you? What well, was the progression? I to build that? more boards, right? So it's like, okay, I built one for myself. Okay, learned some stuff on the first one. I want to build one that's actually better for surfing and performing in the water. Did that. Now all of a sudden, my cousin, who was like probably fourteen at that time, like he wanted one. So I'm like, all right, like let's do it. I'll make one for you. And then it, just through the like. Like my brother and my cousin were the same age and they're both like freshmen or sophomores in high school at that point. Um, so just with their friends, I had probably made a dozen boards or something over the next year or two. Oh, wow. Um, for them. Okay. And then uh, that kind of carried me through the end of college. I think by the time I finished college, I probably had like 20 something boards under my belt. Wow. And this is like in your parents' garage or where are you doing this? Yep. In my parents' garage, foam dust, forming a nice film layer over the top of their swimming pool. (laughs) But it's so fine (laughs) that my dad would make me go like scoop it up with the pool net. No kidding. And it's so fine that it would just go right through the pool net. So, (laughs) Oh, wow. They they definitely made some personal sacrifices for me. That's hilarious. I love it. Okay, so you graduate college. And yep. then are you, did you go straight into this or what did you, were you doing something else or what? Like, how did you basically, I had like a graphic design job at a church during college. Okay. And so when I graduated, I was like, well, I don't want to keep working, you know, 12 hours a week or whatever doing graphic design. Like, and it was, I actually graduated in 2008. So the job market was Ooh. pretty horrific. Yeah. I, right. I don't know what it's like right now, but probably comparable. Yeah. Um, so there wasn't a whole lot of jobs. So like that generic commercial real estate job that I just always assumed I would pursue, it just wasn't there. Yeah. Um, so I was like, well, the other thing was like, there was a whole strip of retail stores that had been bought. They kicked everyone out cause they were going to like tear it down and build a big medical complex. And then the city wouldn't approve the plans. Okay. So then there's like this whole complex that was vacant and I, I, it caught my eye cause it was like kind of on the path that I would take riding my bike from my house down toward the beach. And so I was like, okay, I could, I could try to get this spot, try to get a killer deal on it, open a little store. And that would kind of give me a jump off point for this business. There's a piece in here that I'm missing though. Okay, this is a this is a key one. <laughs> Graduated in May. In October of 2008, I met our now shaper Griffin, who we've been working together every day since. Wow. 
So he was a couple years younger than me. He was one, he was like solely focused on being a surfboard shaper. Okay. Which requires a ton of focused energy and meticulous, you know, it, it just requires a very specific personality that I was rapidly realizing I didn't have. Like okay. it was fun for me to do the first one. It's fun for me to do the second one. It's fun for me to try something new. I wasn't super minded toward like, I want to do this day in and day out. I love it. And I want to just perfect my craft over the next however many years. Yeah. I was like, I want to talk to this person and that person and open a store and have these people come in and you know, all the like the larger vision. I had a picture of what I wanted to create and I wanted to create it and partnering up with Griffin allowed me to be like, great. You don't want to have to like deal with customers and interruptions and business stuff. I don't want to spend all day every day. I'm an extrovert. I'm like a Enneagram seven. Like I don't want to be locked up in a shaping bay by myself. All right. every day. Like that, I would go nuts. So uh, in October 2008, he was like, yeah, I would love to start helping you out. If you have any work you want to flow my way. I was like, yeah, I've got three orders of boards I'm supposed to do right now. Like, take them. You do them. Tell me your price and let's go. So having him going, all of a sudden I was like, okay, cool. And now I have that piece figured yeah. out. I need to go sell boards. Wow. So that's where like opening a small retail store kind of started to grab my attention. And then we did. So the idea of entrepreneurship at that time, I mean, getting a business and marketing degree, of course, kind of was a bit of a foundation behind that. But you also sounded like looked at the market and you're like, well, a little bit hard to, you know, potentially get the, um, a little bit hard to get the job I want or potentially hard to get the job I want. So I'm going to go in and see if there's a possibility of like, I gotta, I gotta shoot my shot. I gotta, I gotta give this a try and see if I can't make this happen. I figured I would try it for one year. Okay. And then after one year, I would get a real job. A real job. That's kind of my plan. Yeah. So yeah, live out job. this passion. See if yeah, if I can if I can make it work. And then yeah. So then what? Yep. How, what? How did that year go? What? How did that progress? And what did that look like? Uh, we signed the lease in January two thousand nine. Opened our doors the first week of March two thousand nine. And I was, it, first of all, had like a tremendous support from the community and friends and, you know, everyone wanted to come and be a part of it and help paint and help build racks and all that. You know, we slapped this thing together, like very inexpensively. And our rent was like, I think $400 a month or $450 a month to start. Cause nice. I like convinced the landlord that you have this whole vacant shopping center. You need someone to be the first mover. Yeah. Like, so I think the first year was four fifty, and then the second year jumped up to like nine hundred, which was like, ooh, but it it's, it seems comical now that you could get a retail store that cheap, right? Um, but it was it was good. It was like I always say, like you by opening a retail store, you're literally planting your flag and opening your door for people to come in, and I think a lot of a lot of the opportunities going back to kind of what we were talking about a few minutes ago that have presented themselves over the last 12 years have been people who've walked in the door of my store. You know, it's not wow. anyone that I would have like even known to go find 
Wow. But um, having that retail store and having an open door, you invite in the good, the bad, the weird and the ugly. Like it's, it's been hugely rewarding having a retail store. And I, again, didn't know what I didn't know. And I'm glad I did it. Had I known all the things I didn't know, I probably wouldn't have done it. But uh, yeah, it was, sure. you're, you're young and excited. I was like 22 or something. And wow. It's, it's been hugely transformative just in the opportunities it's created. Wow. So, I mean, it's one thing to be excited and passionate about boards and finding someone to help you shape them and make them. It's another to wrap your brain around the entire business side of that and the financials and inventory and all of that. So kind of how did you kind of figure that one out and, you know, kind of stumble along that journey? Clumsily, for sure. <laughs> like... <laughs> A lot of those things that are so critical, no one has ever even mentioned it to me before. Like, it's not even that I haven't like learned how to do it. It's I didn't even know like, oh, this is a thing I have to do. And that's the tax stuff, the licensing stuff, the insurance stuff, the inventory management, sourcing, all, you know, all of it. You're just literally like, figuring it out and kind of like building this house one piece at a time in your brain as you kind of go through these steps. Um, it, yeah, it, I'd say we've done an okay job in very few like major blunders. Uh, only one really comes to mind, but other than <laughs> that, it's like just kind of baby steps. Like I think, that's where to create a business like this, it takes time. Like I am so glad that no one came and waved a bunch of money in my face. and I didn't like take on an investor or something early on because I needed to be poor. I needed to be broke. I needed to like, I remember in the early days, like that first year, probably first two years, there would be times where I'm like, my, I have no money in my bank account. I have no gas in my car. And if I don't sell a board today, I don't even know how I'm going to like fill up my gas tank. Wow. And then I'd sell a board that day and be like, all right, the dream lives on for one more day. Like, wow. Let's go. But like, had someone just come in and like, I like what you're doing here. Here's a big fat check so that you can do it right. Like, oh my, I couldn't have. I couldn't have started a gasoline fire that would have burned through that money faster. <laughs> you know, like you just, Oh, yeah. you can just, when you have it, you can justify it. Right. It's, it's not that you're being wasteful, or irresponsible. It's just that you can easily, when, when it's there, you can justify, Oh, we, we need this. We need that. Sure. And, uh, it was, it was a very humble beginning. And I look back at like, how few boards we were selling back then and just think like, why did I think I was busy? What was I doing all the time? I don't even remember like manning the store. There was a lot like, right. I was manning the store, designing products, sourcing products, getting stuff printed, running to the glass shop. Like there was a lot to do, but it's comical to think how tiny we were at that wow. time. I mean, when you were kind of getting going and, and as you were kind of building your own vision for what you wanted to create, what were the, do you remember the other brands that were kind of inspiring you to, to think that way? And like, what, what were you into and what were you liking? 
Yeah, it was an interesting time in surf industry culture. Um, I really looked to like the Hobies and some of the brands that like from the 50s and 60s that I really admired. Uh, that era had inspired both kind of the aesthetics of what I liked about surfing and the boards we were building were kind of like drawing influences from that era and modernizing them. But then I had always kind of I looked at those brands where they would have a retail store on Pacific Coast Highway and whatever their hometown was. They were building boards in the back and making some board shorts. And it was very like pure and simple. And then I looked at like the Quicksilver, Volcom, like Hurley, like these big apparel brands that were like loosely tied to surf. Like they would throw a lot of money in the surf marketing but, you know, I, I had friends that worked at Quicksilver and I like went to their headquarters in Huntington Beach to go like meet my buddies so we could go to lunch. And I was just like, what the heck? This place is massive. There's like this mega welcoming desk and all these departments and there's, you know, 15 people in each department and all the design rooms have like inspiration boards on all these cubicles. And it was just like, oh my gosh, like I have this like romanticized view of what a like surf brand is and it's Greg Knoll, it's Hobie Alter, it's Terry Martin. It's like all these guys who kind of had this like thing that was really driven by the boards and really kind of homespun. And so I almost was like, okay, what would happen if the surf industry had like continued on that trajectory over the last 30, 40 years, whatever it is, instead of, going the route of big apparel brands, big box stores, like all that. So I, I was kind of trying to like turn back the clock and take the trajectory in a different direction than what I had seen play out. Wow. That weird. Yeah. No, I, I like that you had that and that you saw that. I heard you once say in an interview – you said that people that you said people think we make uh, retro boards, or boards that are you know some of our boards yeah. are retro. And you said no, I want to believe we're building timeless. And I thought that was yep. really kind of beautiful and thoughtful. And I think that explains from your inspirations, kind of what you were, where you were excited about, and what you saw. You didn't want this big you know commercial uh, mass produced product that you were building this timeless classic, which I thought was pretty amazing. Yeah, and like the timeless thing really like is important to me because I I know that those board designs are still relevant. And we're still pushing them and we're still improving them, and I think that they help our customers access waves in a way that is like meeting them where they're at a little bit more. Um, and we're trying to do it in the best packaging we can put it in in terms of the deliverable board. Do you, uh, do you think some of what you're doing is enlightening the consumer at the same time? I would like to think so. And that's kind of become more of an emphasis in more recent years of like the reality is like, I think my insecurity in the role that I'm in, in the industry that I'm in is that I'm not a world-class surfboard shaper. I'm not a world-class surfer. And most of the people who are successful in this industry are one of those two. Um, 
So what I lack in being a world-class surfer, I make up for in understanding the plight of the everyday surfer, right? Like I can empathize with them and their needs and their interactions in the ocean better than someone who's been all over the world surfing the greatest waves and been on the cover of magazines. Like it's just a, I have a different perspective, which is my, my perspective. And that market is way bigger than the few people who have there done are a lot more Dave Ali's class. out in the world than there are, <laughs> you know, whosoever is at the tippy right. tippy top of the yeah. pyramid. How, um, I mean, I, I would imagine that like connections have played a part in your success over the years and connections you've made, whether that's for, uh, some of your sourcing your products or that, you know, people that have helped you along the way. Like, can you talk a little bit about some of the connections that have like the other people in your life? I mean, aside from Griffin that have like been instrumental in kind of your own success, unless you did it all yourself, Dave and more power to you. And I just, I would. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> me, 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 me. Uh, yeah. Like our, our Japanese distributor was a guy that was in America studying English and his dad was like the second biggest surfboard distributor in Japan. And our second year of business, he came wandering into my store with like, we'd gotten featured in the Japanese surf magazine through a friend that I'd met through doing almond. And he came in with this magazine in his hand. He's like, Hey, my dad's the second biggest surfboard distributor in Japan. Can we sell your boards? And I was like, uh, Yes, you can. Like, absolutely. Wow. So I still work with him to this day. And his dad's more or less retired. And he runs the company. And we've had a great relationship. I've been over there two or three times to visit. And wow. Um, that, that's been a good one. Same thing with our French distributor, a guy that I knew around Costa Mesa just from coming in the store. Knew a guy who was a surfboard distributor in France. And he's like, hey, I want to take some of your boards with me to France to go visit my friend can I borrow two surfboards and like go to France with them and show them to my friend Pierre who distributes boards and beer it's. And I was like, yeah, why not? Like, uh, two boards is a lot for this stage of yeah, I bet. the business for us to be out of, but like, yeah, this is worth it. And the same thing. I've worked with Pierre for probably eight years and then, yeah, just fr- from friends who've become kind of, you know, like when you're an entrepreneur, you're looking to latch on to other people who are doing similar things and fighting similar fights. So a lot of those friendships and a lot of the like kind of creative community that I have now is people that I've just met from having a store and being around the brand. And now it's kind of a band of people who, in a lot of ways, shape the creative culture of Costa Mesa. Because now we're in our mid thirties and not in our early twenties. Right. Right. How is this, I mean, how is almond an extension of you? What's like, what's that stamp of that you would say the company, uh, that is an extension of you that's in the product that's in the branding that's in the, just the, like, how would you define that? Uh, I think the products and the boards and the messages that we put out, are a reflection of my personal experiences and interests within surfing. And like, you know, I, I found that like, if I was not digging extra deep and catching waves early in their formation, 
I would surf like crap. Like if I was like lazily paddling and kind of trying to get to my feet late and then recover and you're already kind of behind the eight ball, like I would always be frustrated. And like, so then we turned catch waves early, catch waves often into like our brand motto. It's like, if we can build boards and you can have the right attitude to like just dig deep and scratch into waves, like one to two strokes earlier, you will have more success and you'll have more, they're like a better time. And it's just like the, the things, the products we put out and the messages we put out are like a reflection of the conversations we're having and our experiences in the water and the things that I care about. And I, I do care about being the maker of gear. Like we are making tools to help other people access the ocean. Like our job is to help facilitate them to go have a really good time. And I, I like that challenge. And if that means, you know, if that informs how I write blog articles and how we design our next surfboard model or whatever, however that manifests, like that's, it's, it's a good challenge for us to just continue to find new ways of serving them. And they're going to go places that we'll never see. They're going to, these boards are going to go, surf waves and hit countries and beaches that we'll like never visit but it's it's great we're doing our job if they're like happy that's awesome what uh, i mean so a lot of people could hear this story and think man you're you're living into your passion you're 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 doing this dream and but we all know that like and you said it a little bit earlier that that there the the hustle brings you know a grind with it. Like this is not always easy. Right. And I think that there's not, there's a bit of a myth that, Oh, if, if you're every day is bliss, if you're, if you're, if you're living your passions and all this kind of stuff. So like, how do you find that balance of, of like, Hey, I am doing something I'm passionate about. And I am bringing this, these great products to this. And I'm proud of that. But at the same time, like, man, this is tough work. Oh man. There's been so many days where I'm just like, what have I gotten myself into? Why did I start this thing? I feel like I've like put this train in motion that I can't get off of. You know, like there's, there's been a lot of like really tough times. Like in, uh, we can get into specifics or we can just keep it vague, but like, there's just been some points where I just like, like this just isn't at all what I thought I was signing up for or, you put all this work in and it's not till way later that you reap any of the rewards of that hard work. And there's like this immense delayed gratification with a lot, with plenty of room for self doubt to creep in. And, uh, yeah, it, it's been, I I've said this a lot, but like the high highs and the low lows, have kind of conditioned me to stay like pretty even keeled in the middle. Like I don't let the lows get me too down anymore. And I don't let the highs get me too high. I'm like, I'm thankful for the opportunity. I'm thankful to get to do it. And, you know, I, I am not at, I'm not the same guy I was when I was 22 and I started it. My, my interests have evolved. My life has evolved. You know, I'm a married, I have a daughter. Like my whole world is different than it was when I, started this business. And so my relationship with it and what motivates me has had to kind of evolve 
too, even as we've been on this like kind of slow, steady growth trend with, you know, setbacks here and there for the last dozen years. Absolutely. Wow. What, I mean, I know you are a man of many interests. I know there's other things that kind of excite you and, and like what else right now has got you excited? What, are, what else are you thinking of? I know you've, you've even dabbled in like the marketing and agency side and done some stuff there and some like, like what else has got you, what, what else, what's your brain thinking about these days? I have really been into cooking wild game. Wow. We started a wild game club, <laughs> uh, curveball, uh, so that's been fun. I've been trying to write more, both for and outside almond, and still love basketball. Still follow the NBA to a certain extent. Awesome. Uh, but yeah, it's like the hunting, fishing, cooking, wild game piece, and like kind of building a little bit of community around that has been like my main distraction. That's awesome. And a toddler. A toddler always wins out. She's the best. That's a heck of a distraction and a good one. Um, yeah. What is this, what's a skill that you, that you haven't cultivated, but you want to, whether that's personal business, what's something out there that you're, you're, you're still trying to, you're going to, you want to hone. I really want to hone my writing skills and just communicating. There's a lot of things that I like, like going back to the origins of almond, there's a lot of things that I'm still to this day really curious about and really interested in and instead of being really focused on kind of devouring information i i feel more like open-handed with it right i just want to kind of share and i want to have it i want to like bring other people along that journey with me so trying to find avenues whether it's the written word or whatever to help propel people into hopefully transformative experiences of just experiencing new things and broadening their worldview. That's, I love it. Yes. Well, I want, I want to read some of that. I want to, I, I'm excited to like what comes of that. I think that's amazing. Yeah, um, <laughs> are you like, what does that look like? Are will you be publishing stuff? Will you be like, how do you like, are, is it poetry that you're going to keep in a book and not share? Like what, like how will some of that come out? Uh, so last year when the pandemic hit, I wrote a couple like ebook guides to like making better decisions with your surfboard, like how to know which surfboard's right for you. Oh, like, right on. A free downloadable ebook, you know, that you can get for signing up for a mailing list or whatever on Almond. Like, so I've been trying to write some like highly practical things like that. Like I was challenged by a good friend to try to write one blog post a day, like or six days a week for all of 2021. Wow. And then at the end of that year, like, is it worth compiling that into like a little book that we can just kind of have at the shop of like, here's surfing through our lens, like all surfboard design tips on improving your surfing, where to go, like just trying to, it's such a daunting thing. And so I guess lowering hurdles would be like the through line of all that. Yeah. Um, how do we, how do we lower hurdles for people? That's cool. What, yeah. uh, what, do you have any recommendations on, uh, books that have helped you along the way? Any sort of, uh, maybe podcasts today? Like what, what have you, what would you recommend to somebody that said, Hey, like, I love what you've done. Like what's kind of inspired you along the way in terms of literature or whatever? Uh, yeah, that list would be 
nearly endless. I'd say the two that I think are like, okay, if, if I was speaking to someone who was interested in starting a business, I would say read Profit First by Mike Michalowicz. It's kind of a like, can't miss, change your perspective on how you approach the finances of your business. Right on. Um, and then I've been really benefiting from the like Donald Miller story brand business made simple stuff. I, I'm like, a. I almost hesitate to share that because I'm like, don't let anyone else on my set because I think it's that good. Like, it I is. think it's just been That's awesome. transformative and practical. I've read a lot of business books that are very like hypey or like, mm, almost like create the problem so that then they can sell you the solution <laughs> sure. a little bit. And so I get a little, I'm like, Oh, come on. I can kind of like roll your eyes. <laughs> um, but that has just been a really straight to the point resource in terms of understanding what our customers are coming to us for and how we can serve them better. So very cool. That informs a lot of how we've, it, it kind of like affirms and informs how we approach those customer relationships because some of that stuff of like our customers are coming to us with a need and it's our job to help guide them to a solution to that need like we knew that like it was already present in the way we're approaching our stuff but to put it to words and put it to words in such a clear way an actionable way has been really great and it's kind of empowering you're like all right cool i feel in control of this thing not like I like I used to catch myself saying all the time that I feel like I'd created this big monster that I kind of had the tiger by the tail and it was kind of like leading me. And a lot of it had to do with like opportunities would present themselves. Like I, sorry, I'm getting in the weeds here. No, you have like a plan, it. right? Yeah. You start with a plan. Yeah. And then an opportunity presents itself that's better than the plan that you had. And to know how to decide like, do I pursue the new thing that's even better than what I had envisioned or do I stick to kind of what I had foreseen in this trajectory that I thought I was on? Like I felt for a lot of years, like I kind of had the tiger by the tail and this, that almond had become so big and had so much momentum that I had kind of lost control of it. So to put structures and frameworks in place to feel like you've regained control over a company that's now several times bigger than it was when I felt like it had become too big for me to control has, has been just life altering. Ah, that's cool. Wow. That's a long answer to a, no, it was a good one though. Um, I think this is such a corny question, but I want to ask it anyway, because I think it can be some gold that comes out of it. But if you really could give advice to your, young, your younger self and the wisdom that you've gained over the years, uh, there were, you know, one or two things you're just like, now I understand this. Like, what, what would that be? What would you share? Yeah, I, I, it's hard to want to like insulate my younger self from some of the lumps that I've taken because those things are formative. Um, and I, I feel like I've been pretty resilient through this process in a way that kind of surprises me for the other things I know about myself. I'm, I'm not the guy that's like, I'm going to run a marathon and nothing's going to get in my way. I'm like, yeah, this five minutes in, this isn't that fun. I'd rather go do something else, you know, like, but yeah, 
I don't know. I don't know that I would like necessarily change much of our path because I don't think I would have had the ears to hear it. So I guess the advice would be like just to get started because it's either going to take a, it's going to take time and there's no better teacher than time. And so just to start and start the clock ticking on that, like growth and evolution, I think is kind of the best advice I would give. And you're never going to really tell someone much that's going to like protect them from the wounds and just the like hardships. Right. So you just like, I think that's where I started with the profit first thing and then having the business made simple framework in order to kind of put words to things and give yourself some like constructs for building the thing, whatever the thing is. Um, I'd say those things would be helpful. So you don't like burn through money. And thankfully I didn't, but I would, my advice to someone else who was in my same position would be like, do not just throw money at the problem. <laughs> like you, you gotta, you gotta bootstrap it. Yeah. I, and I agree with that in all the businesses that I've done. I, I wholeheartedly believe that. And, and I love what you said, like the idea of just start, because I think that fear sets in with so many people. They don't either see themselves as doing that or being that person. And so they don't have the confidence. They don't actually get off the blocks and do something. And you and I both know that when you do get off the blocks, you at least get some momentum going, you learn something, you change, you iterate, you find out what's working, what's not. But if you don't even start, I mean, that you don't, you don't get the chance to even learn that stuff. Yep. Yeah. I, I, that's brilliant. Well, can I tell one story on that friend? Yeah, I would love Please. Sorry. Now you got me going. I can't stop. <laughs> so in terms of like the just start thing, like I think that piece is so critical, especially for people who have responsibilities and have a full schedule and have this thing that's kind of like burning within that's like, Oh, someday, 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 you know, like that's the most critical person who needs to just start something, some version of it. Like you might not be able to realize the entire vision of what you want to create, but just make that first step and put, put something out or, just create that thing. Um, like my buddy, Scott, he does, we sell him in our store. He has a brand called slightly choppy that he does these surf flags that he makes them out of canvas. And he's, he's awesome creative director. He's been creative director for a bunch of big brands over his career. Um, he started doing these surf flags and he was so passionate about it. And he would do that after hours. He had a job as a creative director of a huge brand. And we started selling them to my store. And he was like doing a little better and a little better. And we were figuring out like, okay, what are the top sellers? What are the bottom sellers? How do we drop the bottom sellers and try to write new hit songs and just keep, <laughs> how, do you out, how do you outdo your best right. thing? And two, let's see, two years ago? Oh yeah, this month will be two years he got downsized from the company that he worked for. And he came to me just like, dude, I just got laid off. And I was like, he was in his late forties at that point. I think he's like 50. And uh, he just got laid off in his forties. And he's like, do you think I can make Slightly Choppy into a career? And I was like, 
Yes, absolutely. Yes. And I'll, I'll help every step of the way. Let's do this thing. And now he's coming up on his two year anniversary of that day. And he's do it's working. It's awesome. Like it, wow. he's turning, he's beating off opportunities and requests wow. with a stick. And I'm oh, like, wow. my, now instead of trying to help him grow his business, I'm still trying to help him. You know, how do we keep beating, writing a new hit song? How do you keep leveling this thing up? But also how do you, say no to things and protect your time so that you can do the thing that you're really good at, which is that creative process. So I'm yes. kind of helping run interference for him to like, or at least be a sounding board for him to help him like learn how to push stuff off or say no, because he's just slamming busy with this surf flag business. And I could not be happier for him. And had he not started doing that in the evenings after his job, if it had just been an idea that never evolved past his sketch pad, you know, that transition into no longer being at that brand uh, would have been a lot harder. That's so cool. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I love that he was like, even, you know, I think some people think also that, Oh, I got to like completely stop my day job to, and, and, and go full force. It's like, well, wait, no, like I like, you know what he did, Scott, like was in your store and he was working and testing it and what's working as he was, you know, writing that new hit song and figuring out. And I love that he had that. And he was probably busting his butt at late at yes. night and doing the designs yep. and it wasn't coming easy. I'm sure he was killing himself to make it happen, but he was hustling to see like, Hey, is this, is there something here? And what do they say? Well, you know, um, I'll always get this wrong, but the best time I, I dig a well is not when you're thirsty or something like, and he, you know, he'd already been putting all this work in. And then when, when bam, he did get downsized, he kind of had a plan and something that he could like move into, which I thought that that's cool. Yeah. And it was cool. And I think a common misconception for people who do have a day job and kind of have a side thing is that like, oh man, if I just didn't have this day job, I would have so like infinitely more time to focus on my thing. And the reality of like moving a creative thing forward is it happens in spurts, right? Like it's, it's not an even burn. I, I am either like pulling my hair out busy, can't work fast enough or I'm waiting on other people and there's nothing I can do besides <laughs> wait. And so you can get a lot more done just by starting in the margins of whatever time you can carve out now than you think proportionate to just like ending it and going full bore because it's like, okay, what's the, what's the number one little thing I can do right now in this hour block that would help move this thing forward. And you just do that. And then you go back and you do your other job and you do your other responsibilities. And then, you know, you, Oh, got another hour. Let's, let's do this next thing. And I love it. The progress you can make that way is significant. That's cool. Yeah. And I, I so agree. That is a great point that everyone should hopefully digest and recognize and put into practice. Cause that's good. Uh, dude, I am super grateful that you've been on. And as a thank you, it's kind of our way to say thank you for being here, Dave. We want to give a $100 donation to the charity of your choice. So I was hoping you might be able to highlight a charity and give us a little bit of information on them uh, so that we could do that. Let's 
I mean, we do a lot of work with the Surfrider Foundation. They they are a big player in our space of surf and uh, preserving the preserving the health and cleanliness of our beaches and waves and oceans for future generations. And, you know, having a almost two-year-old daughter, like it kind of puts your mindset on the future more. And I, I want her to be able to enjoy these beautiful natural environments the way that I have. And yeah, the fact that they're fighting to keep that there and protected is critical. So we, we do a lot to support them with Almond and we've partnered with them and I would say Surfrider Foundation. Very cool. We would love to come alongside you guys and do that. So we will absolutely thank you. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and man, well, uh, just tell people where they can find your stuff. Like where, uh, where's, you know, what's your uh, socials and website and all that? Yeah, we are almondsurfboards.com. I think our Instagram handle is just almondsurfboards, all one word. Uh, we have a retail store in Costa Mesa, California. So if you find yourself in Orange County, we're right by Sidecar Donuts. It's a two for one, can't miss. I have done <laughs> that two for one, and it is amazing. I would highly recommend that uh, to anyone. Uh, Dave, thank you. Yeah, I I, I love your brand. Uh, you guys are always innovating, and that's what I love about you. You don't rest at all, like on your laurels. You guys are always coming out with new boards, new cool stuff, beautiful uh, new apparel. That's what I would tell people if you just want to dip your toe into what Almond's doing. Get online, get yourself some gear. It is so cool. It, it's good stuff. And I love your board so much, and I'm still trying to figure this out, but I want to put one on a wall. Like, I, I, I mean, as much as I'd like to write it, like, I just think they're yep. gorgeous pieces of art that I, I want to, like, put on a wall and just memorialize there because I think they're just amazing. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast and being with me today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Hey, hope you enjoyed that. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to our podcast. If you're trying to answer that ultimate question, what do I want to do with my life? You might like my new book, Be More Like You. You can find it on Amazon and it will guide you step-by-step down a path to uncover what you're passionate about and then how to create meaningful connections in an industry you love so that you can find more purpose, fulfillment, and happiness on your professional journey. You can also head to our website and download the free Ideas Framework workbook at bemorelikeyou.com. I'm on Instagram at the Tyler Lafferty. Thanks again for listening. Now go and make it a great day.